The following episode is brought to you by A Beginner's Guide to Nutrition. Are you struggling to create healthy eating habits and maintain a healthy lifestyle? Do you find it challenging to know what to eat and when to eat it? If so, I have the perfect solution for you. My simple guide teaches you not to demonize food groups like fats and carbs. You will learn what to eat to lose weight and maintain your physique. You'll also discover how to build muscle, endurance, and strength. Taking accountability for your lifestyle is one step in the right direction. Learning to rehabit ourselves and eating this, not that, will also help you become the best version of yourself. Realizing that you need to learn how to eat in order to live in moderation is a challenging admission for some to make. The ability to determine that skipping breakfast sets you up for bad food decisions throughout the day sets you up for success in your fitness journey. But that's not all. After you've learned to create healthy habits and food choices, this book doubles as a food journal. This enables you to meticulously track your meals and have a quick reference on what foods to eat all in the same place. This is a blueprint to create a newer and healthier you. Don't wait any longer to take control of your health and wellness. Order my guide today and start becoming the best version of yourself. The link will be in the show notes. some interesting locker room dynamics. We'll also take a look at the outlook for Chelsea FC, their upcoming fixture, and we'll play some starts to sit them for Tuesday's flash for a much-needed three points against AFC Bournemouth. So, strap in, because you won't want to miss. talked about how since 1990, the average number of days between the last World Cup match and the next Premier League match was 37 days. The number of days between the 2022 World Cup and the Premier League game is eight. Yeah, this year they only have eight days off from the end of the World Cup to the start, or the, to the restart of the season. Now, you should not have any real expectations of any player who played in the World Cup to come back to their squads and even start right away. And if they do, the performances aren't guaranteed to be a good one. These guys get drained mentally, physically, and emotionally. 
you know, World Cup hangover is nothing new. It can affect everyone in different ways, regardless of whether the player has a good or bad World Cup performance. And given the unique circumstances around the timing of this year's World Cup, it means that the effect is likely going to be amplified and more visible. Also, one thing to keep in mind is that the players themselves, they just aren't robots. The same exact drive that it takes to fuel them to even become a professional athlete in the first place that leaves a residue for the players that win constant celebration and party and chip away at their competitors. You know, we see it all the time in college football, for example, in Tennessee, East Alabama, and the crowd storms the field. That hangover feels like an ultimate success, yes, but you likely satisfy that hunger that makes you want to continue to strive for further achievement. It's like, you know, they won their Super Bowl, they won their national championship, but they don't necessarily need to strive hard to finish out the season. But also for players who made mistakes and then they had genuine disappointment surrounding those mistakes, they feel lost opportunities and that can also be extremely difficult to mentally. World Cups contaminate players emotionally long after they return home. And the best coaches and teammates, they have to understand the The players are very much human beings, so expecting players to make an immediate switch and just be ready to jump back in the club, soccer, and ball is just unrealistic. For players who have lingering thoughts about that man pass or that shot attempt that they passed on, guess what? They'll have three and a half years before they get the opportunity to correct And that can be haunting. Uh, I think about haunting. Harry Kane said it that after he missed that penalty against France, that second one, he said it's going to haunt him for the rest of his life. Those are the types of mistakes he's talking about. Now, here's something else to consider. So once PSG starts back up, they're going to have Messi, World Cup winner, Mbappe, World Cup runner-up, and Neymar, who lost heartbreakingly early, all in the same locker room trying to sort through and navigate those. And good luck having to be the one to sort that out, because I don't want no part of it. No thing. So um, with that being said, I'm going to discuss Chelsea's upcoming match against Bournemouth, Bournemouth and who should start this match is happening great. Stay tuned. All right, so a report published just before the World Cup by FIFA, which is basically just a global players union. Uh, they talked about how since 1990, the average number of days between the last World Cup match and the next Premier League match were 37 days. The number of days between the 2022 World Cup and the Premier League game is eight. Yeah, this year they only have eight days off from the end of the World Cup to the start or the, to the restart of the season. Now, you should not have any real expectations of any player who played in the World Cup to come back to their squads and even start right away. And if they do, the 
performances aren't guaranteed to be a good one. These guys get drained mentally, physically, and emotionally. Now, World Cup hangover is nothing new and can affect everyone in different ways, regardless of whether the player has a good or bad World Cup performance. Now, given the unique circumstances around the timing of this year's World Cup, it means that the effect is likely going to be amplified and more visible. Also, one thing to keep in mind is that the players themselves, they just aren't robots. The same exact drive and mentality that it takes to fuel them to even become a professional athlete in the first place, that leaves a residue for the players that win in constant celebration and partying and chip away at their competitors. You know, we see it all the time in college football, for example, in Tennessee, East Alabama, and the crowd storms the field. That hangover feels like an ultimate success, yes, but you likely satisfy that hunger that makes you want to continue to strive for further achievement. It's like, you know, they won their Super Bowl, they won their national championship, but they don't necessarily need to strive hard to finish out the season. But also, for players who made mistakes and then they had genuine disappointment surrounding those mistakes, they feel lost opportunities and that can also be extremely difficult to mentally. World Cups contaminate players' emotions long after they return home. And the best coaches and teammates, they have to understand the The players are very much human beings, so expecting players to make an immediate switch and just be ready to jump back in the club, soccer, and ball is just unrealistic. For players who have lingering thoughts about that man pass or that shot attempt that they passed on, guess what? They'll have three and a half years before they get the opportunity to correct it. And that can be haunting. When I think about haunting, Harry Kane said it that after he missed that penalty against France, that second one, he said it's going to haunt him for the rest of his life. Those are the types of mistakes I'm talking about. Now, here's something else to consider. So once PSG starts back up and his desire to be an NFL kicker, it, it's it's just it's unnecessary and uncalled for. All of it. Uh, there is so much in the article to unpack, and I will leave a link to it in the show notes. But something like that can thrive in a place like Twitter because it has demonstrated itself to be the most toxic environment on this galaxy. So much so that I did get into a Twitter exchange with several people on the post where I, where I discovered this article, and all they wanted to do was complain and hold up the article as their justification for doing so. But they all do agree on one thing. Kate Abdo is the only good thing about Fox's coverage. And <laughs> you're going to miss me with that. So many comments were... They should do it like they do it on Peacock or Paramount+. Plus. My pushback there is that Peacock and Paramount are subscription-based services. If the people are watching that, it means that they pay for it, and a level of interest and understanding of the game is already implied. That is not the case with public broadcast television. And how many people actually enjoy ESPN soccer coverage? It is hard to watch, especially for a pro- prolonged period of time. And if you're not watching a game, 
it's just not it's not worth watching. And they have British people covering the sport on ESPN, but that is not the thing that's going to make it the most impel- compelling. And the article does highlight some simply just distasteful things, but people don't have original thoughts anymore. Saying something quote-unquote sucks is not criticism that is going to bring forth any sort of change. You really need to sit down and think about why you don't like Landon Donovan, why you don't like Clint Dempsey. I'm not saying that these are human beings without any flaws, but people will find a way to criticize any human being you put on TV to cover games. It's just a fact. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is going to do it for today's episode. If you want to get engage me in some discussion here, I will gladly talk about it with you. Uh, please consider leaving me a voicemail and let's do it. Also, please consider leaving a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify as that's going to help me out tremendously. I greatly appreciate your time here listening to me today, and I hope that you all have a blessed day. Later.